I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hi, everyone. I hope all is well with you and your loved ones. Before we get this week's episode started, I just want to start off by saying thank you for all of your kind emails last week. This week on the podcast, I have the amazing opportunity to speak with Ashton Zager. Ashton is a fiber artist based out of her home in Asheville, North Carolina. She's a self-taught weaver known for her beautiful circular weavings and woven jewelry pieces. Prior to weaving, she didn't consider herself a creative in any way, but has used weaving as a form of therapy through her grieving process. The grief that Ashton has experienced is such that she will speak of in her own words later on in this episode. I just wanted to share a piece of her writing, one in which particularly spoke to me when I read it, and I feel will resonate with a lot of listeners of this podcast. Weaving has seen me in many seasons. A 22-year-old newlywed, a 23-year-old on her first pregnancy, a new mother at 24, and a big old whiplash switch in careers at 25. Weaving saw me through all the joys and all the fear of an unexpected pregnancy at the age of 26. It was there when I lost Hank and began my life of grief at 27. Now 28, Weaving allows my hands to work through pain my brain sometimes can't process. They say, when you're struggling to emotionally connect with your spouse, you should kick up your physical connection. And I guess I say all of that to say that if your brain is struggling to grasp the very shaken world you found yourselves new to, your hands might be able to offer your brain some physical comfort. When I've been shocked into new seasons, I've been so grateful for this outlet. This place where I can quiet my thoughts and wait for his whispers. Hello, Ashton. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Can you start out by introducing yourself and telling us about your background and how you found yourself in the wonderful world of weaving? Yes. So I am Ashton Zager of Ashton Zager Fiber Art. (laughs) Um, I've been weaving for five and a half years. Um, I started weaving in December of 2014. Um, And I don't have a big background in art. I didn't go to art school. I didn't even really dabble in anything artistic and in high school or anything like that. I was a jock. I played soccer. Um, And I uh, was in 2014. We were newly-ish married. We'd been married a little over a year Um, and were short on money. So it was my like stumbling upon weaving. It was literally, I was making all of our Christmas presents because we didn't have a lot of money. (laughs) And so I was just kind of looking at a bunch of different stuff on Pinterest and I saw a weaving tutorial um and so I was like oh that's cool yeah I'll make a weaving for my older sister who had just gotten married um and so I just kind of 
did it. I wasn't like looking for anything big. I was just kind of doing some crafts and then I really loved it. Um, so I made my sister a weaving that actually now resides in a shoebox because mm-hmm. it fell apart. Um, mind you, back in 2014, there were, there was not the weaving like online education that there is now. Like there weren't ebooks galore. There were some big weavers that were kind of becoming more known. Like it was really the very beginning of the weaving boom um, in recent years. And so anywho, the, the tutorial that I came across was from the blog, A Beautiful Mess. And it was like, taught me just enough to make my first one, but I was hooked. Um, and so I just kept making them and making them. And five and a half years later, here I am, I call myself an artist, which would have shocked um, 10-year-old me who <laughs> 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 thought she was going to grow up to be a soccer player. Um, but I'm an artist. And so I make wall hangings. Um, I primarily weave on a frame loom. Um, and I am a teacher. I have an ebook, and I do some local workshops. Um, and yeah, it's a business that feels like it's transforming and being added on to all of the time. <laughs> I also dabble, dabble in um, fiber jewelry. I have woven earrings. Um, and so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. It's so interesting that you are a self-taught weaver. Can you kind of talk about some of the ways that you developed your style and your aesthetic as a weaver? My like inspiration and like, um, desire to like make a weaving was purely aesthetic like it was just I made things that I would have enjoyed to have in my home um it was also during the kind of like tribal print um fad and so in the beginning I wove a lot of like shapes and you know stripes and just kind of like geometric um shapes that are you know easy and um that was just like my aesthetic preference um and then I quickly realized that I was too OCD (laughs) to do that anymore it would really bother me when a triangle wasn't like perfect or a stripe wasn't you know straight and so I started to move into just some more like organic ways of weaving um and I started playing with texture and um so the beginning journey of it was you know mostly just aesthetic, you know, playing with things. Playfulness is definitely a theme in my, um, I guess, development. Um, And then, yeah, and then it kind of turned into more like an expressive thing. And I'd say nowadays when I am approaching a weaving, I kind of have multiple like angles that I might approach it with. And sometimes it's a more like introspective, you know, feely type of weaving that you know I'm trying to express something and sometimes it's just aesthetic like playfulness um but I it's definitely like playfulness and um just kind of trying to like continue to grow in it it just has kind of naturally turned into this other thing and Sometimes that comes from fibers too, like discovery of fibers, because I knew nothing really when I first started weaving. Um, (laughs) And then I discovered things like, oh my gosh, like 100% 
wool yarn that's totally different than this like acrylic stuff that I got from Michaels and so you know some of that development was purely after just like the discovery of different fibers and the discovery of like using cotton rope which is something that I use a lot um so it's sometimes hard to like put into words like how did you develop this method because it's like I don't was it like one like thing it was just uh always continuing to be playful with it and how you know what would this look like and what if I turn it that way and you know just always trying to grow and see what else is out there Hmm. and so do you primarily weave on frame looms yes um I weave on a frame loom I also do a lot of round weaving um I yeah I started round weaving about a year into weaving um the unusual pair out in Australia rainy um released these round looms and I was like what like it blew my mind I'd I'd always thought weaving was like you know this frame thing that I've like made or it's those like rigid huddle things that are intense and a mystery to me still I actually bought my first rigid huddle loom um like six months ago and I've yet to pull it out of the box (laughs) (laughs) I really want to get into it I just like have not like taken the time to like figure it out I've just so far been like I'm just sticking to what I know with the time that I have right now um but anyways yeah I do a lot of round weaving as well um and at first I used a round loom that I would you know weave onto cut it off and then attach it to something like a steel hoop and then one day I was like hang on can I wrap this steel hoop and then warp it on the steel hoop and just leave it there and it was like the most mind-boggling discovery that has been awesome because now I can weave on any steel hoop that I can find. I can, you know, weave as big as I can find them or make them or whatever. So yeah, frame looms, round weaving on steel hoops, one day rigid huddle, whenever that happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one of the things that I absolutely love about your weavings are that you weave on the round and I love the way that the textures and the metal sort of play with each other. When you're creating the the metal loom, are you like going to the hardware store and buying the pieces and then drilling holes? Or have you been able to find someone who does that? I honestly mostly get my steel hoops from Hobby Lobby um, because they have the best prices. Um, I have actually recently gotten some steel like shapes that are not just circles. I have some like diamonds and triangles. Um, and I warp those up in the same method that I do on regular steel, like circle hoops, but yeah, I wrap those in cord and then I warp it with my warp string, um, in a circular, it's kind of hard to describe, but I do teach it in my ebook, my, like the way that I warp it. Um, but there's no drilling holes and it's really simple. Um, once you know how to do it. (laughs) And for those of us who aren't familiar with round weaving, can you kind of talk about the differences between weaving on the round versus weaving in a traditional frame loom or a floor or rigid heddle loom? Yes, I actually love talking about this. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote an ebook on how to do round weaving. I would like to write more ebooks one day, but I started with round weaving. Um, because I have a friend who um, does these women's retreats and she 
they're like creative women's retreats and she asked if I would teach weaving and mind you this was like four years ago and I was like wait what like am I qualified um and I had a, a short but she was like yes you're right please teach at my retreat and I only had an hour and a half so I was like okay so I'm gonna actually teach round weaving instead of you know weaving on a frame loom because it's quicker um and it'll be quicker for me to teach it and leave them with something that is satisfying. So like the decision to focus my teaching on round weaving was kind of circumstantial. Um, but now it's become a thing about round weaving that I love. Um, so differences are that it's quicker to set it up. Um, and once it's on there, it's on there. You don't have to worry about tension. You don't have to worry about, um, you know things falling apart you don't have to cut it off and move it to something else it's like it's stuck there so I love teaching beginners it because it's like it takes a it takes out a lot of the frustration that I felt when I first started weaving on a frame loom and I teach you know a lot of the same stitches that I would teach on a frame loom like tabby sumac you know raya all of those things you can do all of those things they just um you know, they appear to work differently and really they don't. You just, you know, with round weaving, you can you can do the round and round and round motion that I feel like it naturally, you know, you would think that that's what you would do, but you can also not. You can hold it up and down and you can, you know, weave sections wherever you want. It's really limitless and I love that mm. about that um, and encourages the playfulness that I feel like is where I started with weaving and continue to hold on to um so yeah there's definitely some perks to doing round weaving especially as a beginner but um I find even with seasoned weavers who later you know decide to dabble in it are like this is really soothing you know like there are things that you don't have to worry about with the way that I do round weaving and the way that I teach it um versus being on a regular loom wow and how can people access your ebook Weaving in the Round? So it's on my website. It's a digital PDF. Um, my website is ashtonzagerfiberart.com and there's a little tab that says, you know, kits and weaving in the round. Um, and so yeah, it's something you purchase through my website and then when you purchase it you get a link to download the PDF and the PDF has um password protected videos as well as like written instructions that go along with it and pictures and just it gives you the ability to learn kind of according to your own learning style whether you're a visual person and you need you need to see someone's hands do it you know great that's where the videos are and if you you know want to read it and that's the way that you'll learn better great that's there too um so yeah it's all through my website Amazing. So in addition to round weaving, one of the things that also drew me to your work is that you use weaving as a form of therapy. And it's kind of a reoccurring theme in the works that you create. What sparked your desire for therapy? What made you start to see weaving as something that would help you? Yeah, so... Truthfully, weaving has always been a form of therapy for me, whether I was realizing it or not. When I look back, especially in those early months and years of weaving as a hobby, um, I realized that part of the reason why I loved it is 
it was good therapy for me. It's a quiet place. It was this thing that I could go to and my hands would move and my thoughts would clear. And um, it was a place that I could process lots of things. And then when I became a new mom, um, my older son was born in 2016. Um, It's like that quiet place became even more important to me. Um, It was, you know, especially in the new season of, you know, when motherhood is new to you, you have this kind of shocking season of like, oh, my life isn't about me anymore. (laughs) And weaving became a place that it was just for me. Like, I'm not serving anyone else in this. This is just for me. This is just, you know, for my enjoyment. And this is for me to sit still. Um, And so I would end a lot of my days weaving. And um, in September, I lost my younger son, Hank. Um, He was a year and it was sudden and unexpected. And weaving since then has, it's like the importance of it being that quiet place for me has grown even more. Um, The grief in losing my son is not going to go away. And so weaving is a way for me to process that. Um, And sometimes that, looks like you know just chasing the playfulness creating something fun and exciting sometimes it means that I can make something sad (laughs) and it's this kind of non-verbal way for me to feel all of that weaving has a way of calming my heart and also almost like clarifying the things in my heart. You know, sometimes it quiets the pain and sometimes it just lets it come out. Um, But this act of approaching my loom and making something, it gives me a way to move physically, um, mentally, when I sometimes don't know how to move or want to move. It's a thing that keeps me moving. So that's where reading is therapy. Um, It's kind of the heart of it. And um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. That's that's not a lot of words. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's kind of my journey through it. Yeah, I mean, it makes so much sense and it's so beautiful and I'm so thankful for how transparent you are being and how open you're being with with telling your story and and opening up with me. Um, it's, It's also really beautiful to hear you talk about the ways in which it's helped you in this process. A few weeks ago, we had another weaver on the podcast whose name is Lynn Battle and she's a beautiful weaver also is self-taught as well and she was diagnosed with MS for her it was the same thing as you describe it was the movement that helped her in dealing with something that would slow her down physically and so it's so beautiful 
Um, I actually listened to that podcast and really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, definitely resonated with some of the things that um, she said. And, and you know, that, that way, that, that thing that I get to enjoy in weaving is part of the reason why I teach it. You know, I, I share my practices, not just because I, you know, think that it's cool, but because like, it's really gifted me this activity. Um, and in different seasons, you know, I'm grateful for it for lots of reasons. But, you know, in this one, it's like, I would love that for you. Like, I would love for you to get to enjoy this in the way that I enjoy this. And um, yeah, that's part of my like heart behind teaching is just the gift of um, the therapeutic gift that it can be. It's not just about making pretty things. Right. Accompanied by a lot of the beautiful images of your work are often captions that feel like very intimate, introspective diary entries about your experiences with grief. Can you talk about what has encouraged you and kept you encouraged to be as transparent as you have been with your audience? Yeah, so that kind of aspect of my business, um, which sounds silly to call it an aspect of my business because it's like what's Instagram captions um but it is like it's become part of who I am as an artist and who I am as an artist is business you know I I share my art and my art is a part of me um and so really the the openness that I share with I've been doing for years um it just felt like that was the natural thing to do when i started pursuing art like through social media you know i there's only so many sales pitches that i could make and there's so many ways that i could make you know fiber sound interesting and i was like i'm just gonna like talk about me and my kids and so it's like bringing um the social media world like inviting them to kind of know me and know our family um began long ago but then um, when Hank died, suddenly I, in my state of shock, you have to do certain things. You have to tell people, you have to make those phone calls. And we don't live in the same town as our family. So I had to call my mom and I had to call my dad and I had to call my sisters. And I called one friend. We had some friends that were like actually with us um, at the hospital during the whole ordeal you had to tell people and so I made some really painful phone calls and then within a couple hours I I wrote an Instagram post and I just put it out there and I was honestly mostly sharing the news because I just didn't want to tell anyone else I just didn't want to have to break that news again and so I posted it and there was this kind of crazy explosion of love and um eyes that got to see it and read it and without really meaning to it's like I invited the rest of the world in um to know us and know our story and that was something that I was already doing but it's like for this it I was like oh oops (laughs) almost like oh I I let the cat out of the bag and I, I mean it sounds stupid to say that that's not really what I was meaning to do but truthfully, it's like I didn't really know like the like how big it was going to get. Um, and so 
I gained this following of people who knew us and they came, a lot of people came to know us through our tragedy. Um, but nonetheless, like I let them in. And so the way that I share a lot of the times feels just like I'm just continuing the story. Like I started the story, I invited you in. And no matter like how it started, like it's why I have a lot of followers and so it's like I'm just continuing the story and I am continuing to share my art and my grief is a part of my art and sometimes that's in a way that like I can articulate and sometimes it's not when the pieces that I've sold since Hank are really special and some of them come from that like playful part of myself that's just seeking things that are pretty and aesthetic. Um, and some of them are more, you know, some of them are different. Some of them are really emotional. And some of the elements of it, I can like put that into words and some I can't. And I kind of love that about them that like, I am still an artist. I am still a teacher. And the way that I've always chosen to pursue that is by sharing my life, sharing who I am, sharing what I'm about, sharing my family and my stories and the things that I experienced because all of those things are a part of my art anyways. So it's like, as I share my art and, you know, through pictures and through inviting people to buy it sometimes, you know, it's like, this is what I have to say about them. So it's what I say. And so it's like part of my motive in sharing the way that I share is because, well, I don't know what else to talk about. (laughs) But then I've also had the honor of having a lot of people love me through this because I share the way that I share, because I let them in, because I let them know me. I then have the opportunity to be loved by a lot of people and, you know, that that sometimes comes through words that sometimes just comes from people saying, Hey, I've been in a similar situation, you know, and, and some people I get to learn from and some people I have the honor of almost teaching them like without directly teaching them, without telling them what to do or how they feel. It's like in putting some of my pain and joy into words, and allowing people to read it, I have found um, some meaning in, you know, helping people come up with their own words for their own feelings and their own experiences. My loss is greatly <laughs> understood as one of the worst things that could happen. So it's like that is almost. That almost makes sharing in a vulnerable way freeing. Um, Some people experience loss and pain in ways that are not as understood or accepted. Um, Some people have experienced loss and pain that, you know, some would see as lesser. But the thing that I'm learning is pain is pain and loss is loss and grief is grief. And there's not necessarily a hierarchy of whose is worse. that's not real and it doesn't matter. And I think that there's a lot of benefit and power in owning that, in seeing it, in understanding yourself, in 
sharing it. And, and that allows you to feel it and deal with it and move with it. And so I write Instagram captions that are, you know, <laughs> perhaps more vulnerable than some people do. And that's good for me. It's good for me to put it into words. And then when I have those words, it feels good to just share it, to just put it out there, like to put it somewhere. Mm. And, you know, the, the other aspect of it is, well, it's just part of me. It's part of my art. So if I'm sharing my art, this is what comes with it. And I get to invite people in to see that. Beautiful. And you write so beautifully. Your transparency and how beautifully you're able to articulate your pain is is so... I don't even know that I could put it into words, but I, I really appreciate your writing. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's difficult to get back into the conversation. I know, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't even... These ah. other questions, what? <laughs> I have that effect on people. <laughs> so it's it's often difficult for fiber artists to support their craft and to sustain their practice. What are some of the ways that you've been able to sustain functioning as an artist and also having a flourishing business? Yeah, so I quickly realized. Um, so I, I stepped out to pursue fiber art as like my business occupation um when Louie my older son was like eight months old I left my full-time job because I didn't really want to work it anymore um and I we kind of took this leap of faith as a family for me to start staying home with Louie and pursue fiber art and see where it could take us so I quickly realized that um you needed to have kind of a well-rounded business at least to get things going so you know, I couldn't, I didn't think that I was going to be able to just make weavings and sell them and have that to sustain us. So I started um, teaching. I started dabbling in other aspects of fiber art, like the jewelry, and I do Christmas ornaments. And um, teaching is obviously something that um, is a big um, contribution financially to us, like my ebook and we produce kits um, that pair along with it. And that's a really big um, thing that we get to bring in. Um, so that's like part of it. Um, but then, I mean, we live really simply, you know, we have a normal house and we eat from Aldi. And so it's like, <laughs> there's a balance of, um, you know, I'm pursuing this thing and, you know, there's some cost to that, like where we don't live super luxuriously and we're okay with that because I get to do what I love um, and it brings in enough. And we actually really recently were able to make the big decision for my husband to start staying home. Um, and he also nannies one of our best friend's kids. Um, and that kind of helps balance out the loss of his full-time job. Um, but weaving has like the business has really been taken off in the last couple months and honestly part of that is because Hank passed away and I gained this following and I feel some uh imposter syndrome for that all the time like it's hard mm. to not feel like this 
kind of sudden influx of attention and purchases. Well, part of that is because my son died and sometimes that feels like pity purchases and I just have to, you know, own that. Okay, maybe, but who cares? Let's just own it. We're going to deal with it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and that's, I guess that goes back to like, you know, just own the feels, hold it, look at it. Now, what would you like to do? Um, you got to, find those feels first um and so anyways yeah I've had this sudden influx of business and we're very grateful that that actually led us to a place where I was like hey um I'm drowning (laughs) trying to do this thing like you know by continuing to shove it in like motherhood and being the full-time caretaker like what are we doing and we reached this decision where we were like hey Casey um you're going to leave your job and we're going to get to have a lot of time as a family and that's going to be great. And, you know, I don't feel like we've like arrived yet in this place of financial like comfortableness, but it was definitely moving at a pace where it was like, okay, something's probably going to have to give. And the time is now to just like take this leap of faith. So. So one thing that I also was really interested in talking about was the fact that you live in Asheville, North Carolina. Yes. (laughs) Can you speak about your immediate fiber surrounding and how you're able to connect with weavers and fiber farmers in your area? Yeah. So Asheville is a super fun city. We moved here um, when we got married back in 2013. We're originally from Texas. Um, and so as far as my like fiber community here, I have a few friends that I'm like so grateful to have, um, Casey Kirsten of Hook and Weave on Instagram and the Eddie Line Co. Um, Lauren Mooney are some good friends that are also fiber artists. So it's super fun to have some of those people nearby and get to just like chat about fiber stuff that none of my other friends know about. Um, So that's super cool to just like be in an artist community and have some people that share this craft that, you know, it seems super popular, but when you're in your like real life, it's like, oh, people like me are actually rare. Um, And then I'm part of this community. Um, There's a place called Atomic Furnishing here um, and it's Megan and Todd are the owners and they have this huge warehouse where they um, refurbish mid-century furniture and then their space is so large they actually allow um, other vendors to kind of rent a plot there so I have a tiny 10 by 10 wall in their store that is it's just fun to like have a physical place to like sell my work and be a part of a city where there's a community that exists like that, like to allow um, smaller people like me to have actual physical storefront and it's mine. Um, and so, yeah, that's a community that I'm part of and grateful for. And then um, as far as like farms and stuff, that's kind of um, something I haven't really um, ventured into fully. I have a pretty good relationship with Echo View Fiber Mill here. Um, they're actually in Marshall, but it's like part of Asheville. It's like a little suburb. Um, and they're a mill that is totally like farm to storefront. Um, and so I love getting to support them. And um, I include some of their fibers in my kits a lot of the time. 
um, that's been really cool to be able to actually be thoughtful with like here where I'm sourcing my materials for my kits that are growing in popularity and I'd love to grow in that even more. Um, I've definitely ventured away from going to places like Michael and Ho- Michael's and Hobby Lobby, not that that's like terrible, but um, I just prefer to support smaller as much as possible. So I'm still kind of growing in that area and like just knowing like who's out there, who's got sheep, who's making yarn. Like I'd love to um, know more about that. Um, so, hey, if you're in the Asheville area, I'd love to support you. Reach out. Um, but yeah, Asheville's a super cool city and I love it. I kind of love that when we first moved here, I was with I was not an artist, um, but it's it was a scene that I appreciated. And honestly, being here, I feel like is part of what gave me the curiosity to like dabble in crafting. And, you know, when I liked it, I let myself enjoy it because I'm in this city where that's so a part of like the heart of Asheville and like who we are, where a city of small businesses and artists and weirdos and it's really cool to get to live here and feel the freedom of just pursuing what you want Mm, it sounds amazing sounds like a fiber artist heaven it is (laughs) it is it's really it's really cool we love living here it is home for sure awesome and do you have any new projects or future prospects that you'd like to share with our listeners always (laughs) always <laughs> there's always something new it feels like um something that I'm excited about it's still kind of coming together but I've been working towards creating some really special pieces um really dedicated to Hank um and my journey of grieving him and honoring him um so I'm planning an art show for myself which sounds very funny um and I'm planning on partnering with a musician friend I don't want to say her name just in case it like doesn't come through because we've had these tentative plans and you know corona has made things crazy so that part of the event is still up in the air but that'll be sometime this fall we had said August um and it'll be hosted by Atomic Furnishing um here in Asheville um but yeah I'm planning some type of art show collective hopefully with an with a musician where people would get to come and it'll almost be like a gallery scene. Um, and it will be, you know, art pieces that will be for sale and also writing alongside it. Alongside it. And so the details are still kind of coming together, but that's been a fun thing for me to kind of be working on and creating pieces that aren't necessarily for sale. I feel like that um, kind of maintains the purity of the project and the purity of me getting to like make this thing and my only motive is honoring my son and um remembering him and so those pieces are gonna be really special that's something that you can kind of follow me on social media and look out for I think it's gonna be cool and I'm like with coronavirus making everything crazy I'm like I don't even care where it's gonna be like when it's going to be, it'll be at some point. I'm just really enjoying um, the work leading up to it. And so, yeah, that's something that's kind of on the horizon. I would love to write more ebooks. I feel literally every day I'm like, I'm going to start on my second round weaving ebook tomorrow. It hasn't happened yet, but it's 
for real well. <laughs> um, my husband being home in that, like, this is literally week two of me kind of getting to actually work at like eight to four and not just like fit this business into like whatever time I can come up with <laughs> with the toddler running around. Um, and so hopefully with that lifestyle change, I'll get to do a lot of things that I've like always said that I wanted to. So more ebooks is part of that. I am in the works of developing a loom, like my loom that I designed. Um, and yeah, the prototype's actually being made right now. And I'm hoping to have that available for retail sometime this fall, maybe like Christmas at the latest. Um, and then, yeah. Will it I, be a, a round loom? No, it's going to be a, um, like a frame loom, but I do sell round weaving kits. Those are always going. Um, and we have, I say we, because my husband's really taken over almost all of the manual labor for making our kits as far as like making balls of yarn and, you know, cutting fibers into perfect proportions. He's been amazing um, in helping me with that and starting to take over that operation. But yeah, we have three standard kits for round weaving and they come in four options like an eight inch ten inch and then i do a six inch like kitty kit that actually comes pre-warped um so that you get this little box and you can hypothetically sit it in front of your you know four-year-old and enjoy some time to yourself um yeah and then it, i sell like fiber only kits um so yeah round weaving kits are already out there and that's great Amazing. And I know you mentioned this before, but can you again tell people where they can find you on social media and to support some of your kits? Yes. So my Instagram handle is at Ashton Zager Fiber Art. Um, and I'm also on Facebook. Um, but honestly, my Facebook is like filtered through my Instagram. My Instagram just like pops on over to there too. Um, and then my website is AshtonZagerFiberArt.com. And you can find all my stuff there. Amazing. So it's been wonderful talking to you. I really appreciate all of the jewels and gems you've dropped in this conversation. Thank you. But before you go, we have one question that we ask everyone that joins the podcast. And that is, do you have any advice or words of wisdom to share with weavers and textile enthusiasts? Mm, good question. Um... I would say to just continue to be playful with it. I think, you know, shoot for being innovative um, and coming up with things that are all you. Um, play with it. Enjoy it. Don't stop playing with it. And then I guess advice like that's maybe more businessy is just be you like produce things that are authentic for you share according to you um i think that there's no blueprint for like how to do this thing and the only thing that's worked so far for me is to just be myself so i think that <laughs> just be you amazing thank you so much yeah thank you so much thanks for inviting me of course, it was my pleasure. That's a wrap. If you're interested in seeing more of Ashton's work, 
You can find links in the show notes at www.justyarn.com slash episode dash 104. Next week on the podcast, Sarah will be speaking with Ben Hostler, the operations manager at Mountain Metal Wool Mill. They will be discussing what it's like running a small family business in the wool industry, how ranchers and their own mill are adapting to changes brought by COVID-19, and about their Kickstarter for a new line of wool kids clothing. Tune in next week for that episode. And until next time, happy weaving. Thank you.